podcast where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Joe Obunasar. Coach Abunasar is the founder and president of Impact Basketball in Las Vegas. He's a former Division I coach and is one of the most respected skills and player development coaches in the world. We talked to him today about being consistent as a leader, to demand excellence every day, to be concerned about players getting better every day, and to give more than you take. I hope you enjoy this podcast and we look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you. Great to be here. Coach Abunasar, I uh, really do appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot of things to to tend to there in Vegas at, at the Impact uh, Basketball Facility uh, where you do your player development and training. And so here again, just very thankful for the time. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, how were you introduced to the game of basketball, Coach? Uh, well, you know, I played, of course, as a young guy and, and into high school. Um, so but, but my real, I guess, introduction where I decided I, I wanted to, you know, maybe pursue a career in, that, in basketball or something that had something to do with basketball was I, I read a book that guys like uh, you and I would know, but the younger people wouldn't know, called The Season on the Brink, which is a, yeah. a book written by John Feinstein, which kind of took everyone through a season with Indiana University and Coach Bob Knight. Um, And when I read that book, I grew up in Detroit. And, you know, crazy enough, as soon as I read the book, I decided I wanted to be a basketball coach. So the the impact that Coach Knight had on young people's lives and the whole, I guess, uh, the whole culture of coaching, in a sense, and what it meant, just at six, that was at 16 years old when I was in high school. So I was actually a much better lacrosse player than I was basketball player and, and turned down some college opportunities in lacrosse to go to Indiana to be a manager for Coach Knight. Very so nice. it was really weird. I mean, it was, I was always played basketball, but I was never like a, a huge fan or, or really, you know, like a junkie. I was yeah. just something I did. And when I read that book, I said, I'm going to coach basketball. And my, my dad said he should be a doctor. And I said, no, I think I'm going to coach basketball. So typical, typical story that I experienced with my kids today. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an amazing kind of uh, crossover, if you will, uh, lacrosse and then basketball and then reading a book uh, that featured Coach Knight. And then coming down the, the, the stretch there of, of kind of your, your youth and you said becoming a manager at Indiana with Coach Knight, that must have been kind of just like a surreal experience in hindsight, maybe at the time. You know, here again, you you read about him, and there you are with him. Uh, I can imagine at that time as well it was kind of surreal. What did uh, you know about your time there? What did you really take away from that time there with Coach Knight? Well, you know, being a part of, uh, and I don't think people today, you know, with some of the stuff ESPN had, had done with the, the Coach Knight deal recently, I don't think they understand, you know, what Indiana basketball is or was and what coach Knight had built there. But, you know, for us to be a part of that. And, you know, I can even remember the early days when I was there, I was just 
couldn't believe I was standing on the court with Coach Knight. You know, yeah. it was a it was a learning experience for me. And you know, to this day, I I would say that that's five. You know, the most impactful thing that's ever happened to me in the game is is to be able to spend time with him and observe and and get to know how he did things and how he ran a program and you know the meaning of true quality and and preparation and discipline um it wasn't easy you know it, it was it was hard you know and he, you know he wasn't he wasn't a type people asked to yell or scream yeah of course but that was you know that was in a time when you you wanted to be coached like that you know nowadays it's a lot different um but you know my kid today i would send him to someone like that but you know a lot of parents and kids and you know people say all the time kids have changed well not really the kids it's the parents because how does a kid know the difference right so what's yeah. been what's been it's the way they're brought up so parents are not allowing that but I mean, it wasn't abusive in, a, in more of a sense of um you know just being hard on guys and I, I just love the discipline i loved you know we were great we were number one in the country for two of the years went to the final four um it was an awesome experience to be at college basketball's highest level with a guy that you know had his you know when, when the espn thing came out i recently I, I watched it and, and really put me in. I am actually, I have two sons um, and I made them watch it because they didn't really understand what Indiana basketball was. And, yeah. it, you know, put me in tears just because I, I said, what are you doing to this guy? You know, 10 years later, you know, coach is almost 80 years old. You know, his health isn't the best. And this is a guy who, you know, did wonders for, you know, Chris Reynolds, who was a college uh, classmate of mine, who's now the athletic director at Bradley was a, you know, a, a kid from Peoria, Illinois, who, if it weren't for Coach Knight, he wouldn't be a lawyer. He wouldn't have gone to law school. He's again, you know, Chris has worked at Indiana, Notre Dame, Northwestern, and now is the AD at Bradley. And, you know, people don't hear about those type of things. So that experience really not only molded my approach to basketball with the attention to fundamentals, but, you know, leadership, how to run a program, how to run a company. You know, that's, there's no difference of what Coach Knight did than what someone does when they're running a a store, a restaurant, a company. It's, you know, from the, at Indiana, from coach night to the first lowliest manager, everybody cared, you know, yeah. and everyone had a lot of pride and discipline and it was consistent all the time. So, you know, that was an awesome experience. It was a long time ago, but it was an experience that I can remember like it was yesterday. Yeah, no, it's like anything in our lives, good or bad. We have some kind of uh, experience of coming to God moment or whatever. And, an experience like that is one that just leaves an imprint, I'm sure. And uh, doesn't matter how it, it stands the test of time because it's maybe molded you and shaped you for what you're even doing today and what you're going to do in the next 10 years or 20 years or whatever, coach. So that's great. Definitely. Uh, what specifically, you know, as far as leadership, because uh, I, I hear again, Coach Knight is kind of a polarizing character to some people. He's been demonized mm -hmm. like in that ESPN piece. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you said, he was the coach for the kids that needed that at that time. Uh, he was a coach that instilled discipline, like you said. And so I'm, I'm thinking as far as leadership, because Mike Krzyzewski speaks, you know, of him so highly. And it's not like that gentleman just throws out kudos and applause left and right to anybody. So. When, right. when I think about leadership principles from one of the greatest leaders, I believe, in the game ever, uh, what what kind of principles did you learn from him during your time there? Well, I, I think the biggest thing with Coach Knight that even the players understood is that when you're leading and you're consistent, it's so much easier for people who are following you. So 
you know, we knew what we were getting from coach. The players knew what they were getting from coach. And when you set a tone and you stay consistent with that tone of leadership, it's, it's like a, like I, I compare it to a CEO who has a business plan and he's there every, you know, there's nothing worse than coming to work and not knowing what your boss wants. You know, yeah. that's, that's a frustrating thing in life. Yeah. It's hard to work for someone like that. It's hard to be in that situation. Um, Coach Knight had a plan. He had a way he did things and he was very good at communicating that to everyone and, and basically saying, look, everyone has a role here. Um, you know, roles and responsibility, you, you know, you're obviously a basketball guy, so you, you not everybody can take every shot, right? You know, yeah. you got screeners, you got guys who rebound. That was a big part of his, you know, approach to basketball. And Matt Nover, who, you know, played Ricky Rowe and Blue Chips, that's how most people know Matt. Yeah. He's a great friend of mine. Matt was a four-year player at Indiana who played a long time overseas. Big part of our success in Indiana. I mean, Matt was the best screener in the world, you know, and, and you remember some of those Indiana players that set screens. And so, there's no difference between that and, and how you lead in terms of a, of an organization. So, you know, there were, there were different people, people in the organization that had different roles and responsibilities. So I, I think, you know, the leadership piece, the other thing I learned too, as I, I saw a lot of assistant coaches leave and take head jobs is that you have to lead in your own way. Yeah. You know, the, the system coach Knight set up was incredible, but you know, not everyone can be coach Knight. So I actually left Indiana as a manager and then I went with Joby Wright who was a night assistant at the University of Wyoming and coached for four years. So, you know, I saw how it difficult it is. Like, Joby ran a lot of stuff we did at Indiana, and obviously his basis, you know, he was there for 10 years, he played for Coach Knight, but he couldn't be Coach Knight. You know what I right. mean? That's the biggest thing. So you have to lead as your personality dictates, um, and there's different ways to lead, but if you're not consistent, you have no chance. So I think that's, uh, that's the thing. And the other thing about Coach Knight, and he worked his ass off, and this guy's watching film all night. So, yeah. you know, when you come in in the morning and he says something, you know he knows what he's talking about. And that's a big thing with leadership, too, you know, walk the walk and, you know, and not just boss people around. So that was big for me there. Yeah. So preparation is always the key. When, <clears throat> when, Ooh, you're, when, when, you're yeah. talk, when you're talking about that, like, you have less fear of the future when you're prepared for the future. You kind of remove all Correct. kind, of, kind sure. of doubts when you're sure. prepared. And you talked about being consistent. And then laying out expectations, that's, that's so key because, uh, like you said, uh, you know, when, a, when, when your leader's not laying out the expectations, what he's doing, in, in, in a sense, is setting you up for failure. And who wants to, right. who wants to be in a, in a system like that where you know you're going to fail because you don't even know what's expected of you. So great stuff there, Let's Coach. just say there was nobody not understanding what was going on at Indiana. <laughs> full disclosure. I made sure of that. You know, so, yeah, full disclosure at all times. Yeah, that's you good. weren't falling in line with the uh, the, the uh, intended uh, role, you, you were informed immediately. <laughs> yeah, no, and once you know you're held accountable, that's, that's how I look at it, man. Once you, once you heard somebody tell you something, now you're accountable for it. So, yeah, I think, sure. I think that's the same kind of train of thought he had. So, you know, Coach, you know, fast forward to now and kind of what you're doing in the space that you're in, uh, in the player development and training, and how important is, is culture? Because we talk about Coach Knight, his culture uh, that he built, that system. So how important is culture for you and buy-in for you for what you do now at Impact? Um, I think, well, a couple things, too, is that, you know, when I, when I do – talk about culture and, and different things like that. I really always want to say that I think today with all the books people buy, I mean, everyone says, you got to have culture, you got to have culture. Well, 
I mean, it's just really a, a fancy term for what we all just talked about in terms of consistently, consistency, leadership, letting people yeah. know what's expected of them. And it's very important, you know, so people always say, oh, you know, the first thing you do is build culture. Well, how to do that is really the, the key. You know, you don't just build culture. So you, you set standards. Um, in my gym, everyone is in that gym to make people better, right? So yeah. if you are a coach or a trainer or whatever, whoever you are, an intern, and you don't ha- come in with an attitude to have energy to help people get better and improve, then you're out, right? So what people say to us in our gym is that I've never been in a place where everyone's so positive. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with my experience at Indiana, you know, where, where a lot of times it was, it was like, we just want to win because we we don't want to be around when we lose. You know, that was the, that was the thing, you know? So, you know, and, and I think it's very important. I mean, you, you, but it's, it's just such a thrown around term today. Oh, this company, this guy, we change, you know, every time somebody gets a new job, they're going to change the culture. Well, that's pretty damn hard. You know, you have yeah. to, you have to have the right people, you know, in place. You have to, as a leader, you have to be consistent. And again, I think the culture has to reflect the personality of the leader. You know, you can't Definitely. build, that doesn't mean it, you know, if the guy's a little more laid back or whatever, that doesn't mean that it's better or worse than a guy who's uptight. You know, I can't be, you know, Lawrence Frank and I went to college together, right? He's the president of the Clippers. He's, he's hyper, you know, I'm not hyper. So, you know, it's, I can't be like Lawrence, but we've both done stuff in our career through our work ethics and saying we have a lot of similar characteristics, you know, so, but, but I, you know, I can name a lot of people like that. So I think that the culture is, is built by people demanding, you know, consistency and, and, and really, um, you know, excellence every day. So, if you want to build culture, you have to do it every day. You, know, you can't put signs up on the wall. The culture here is this. You just got to do it. You know, it's all it's all really reliant upon execution. You know, it, it's that old adage uh, that you don't want to fall into. Do as I say, not as I do. It kind of falls into that category where uh, people are going to tell who you are by what you do, not what you say, not by the T-shirt with the phrase on it, not with, like you said, posting up signs freshly printed signs that you got from Kinko's that you thought about all night and how, you know, inspiring it'll be. Uh, people will be, will be inspired by your work ethic. People will be inspired by your caring, by your compassion, by your empathy, by your, you know, all those things. So, yeah, I, For sure. I completely hear that Absolutely. coach. So, you know, kind of going to the buy-in from, from the players that you work with and the trust, because you got to build trust to be able to work with, some of the guys that you do work with and some of the more high level players who already come into a, a situation where they're, you know, the professional players, uh, you know, they're trusting you. How do you build that trust? And here again, the buy-in uh, to, to work with, uh, with those type of people. I, well, I think the respect is the number one piece to get buy-in. You know, if once, you know, when I started with Chauncey and KG and Al Harrington and those guys, you know, I was, just finished coaching I was 25 maybe and um you know I was a young guy so and I hadn't done crap and, and first of all there wasn't anything there's two trainers me and Tim Grover who trained Jordan yeah. now there's you know two million trainers right yeah. so it's uh it's something maybe more but it's it's uh you know it's something where I spent a lot of time getting to know them I spent a lot of time letting them get to you know one of my players said this summer about one of my trainers, he said, uh, he's always asking me questions about myself 
which which are pertinent questions. You know, hey, how's everything going? But then he never talks. He never talks about himself. Yeah. So you know, these people. You know, Al Harrington lived in my basement with Teron Lou for six months. I mean, wow. KG comes to my kids' games now. Still, you know, these are my guys. Kayshawn Prince lived with me for five years in Las Vegas. You know, so. Wow. You know, Kyle Lowry today, we don't, we go, we do Pilates together at night. We train in the morning. We go to eat dinner. Nice. Even Troy Brown, who's 20, just turned 20, the key for me and Troy, and I'm older now at 48, so the age gap is spreading. It's not getting yeah. any smaller. Yeah. Uh, is you have to get to know them. You got to let them respect you. And I, I think the way I conduct myself, um, I don't take kickbacks, uh, you know, from, I'm not trying to place players with, with agents. Uh, I don't Instagram. If you look at my Instagram, it doesn't exist. Impact sends a couple out every once in a while, but we don't film workouts. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't put, I don't have, you know, motivational, uh, you know, I, I look at some of these trainers, Instagram, and this is a popular topic. I know it's, it's so much self-promotion. I don't even know what they're, who they're training. And, yeah. and the way it is now, especially in LA is that, you know, these guys are just working out in different gyms and these trainers are working out and they have open basketball runs and, they put them all over their Instagram. I don't even really understand what the purpose of that is, or that's no way to build a, you know, we didn't do, if KG would have, if I had a film, our workout, he'd have killed me. You know, that's, <laughs> it was, it was private. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and yeah. that's the way I keep it. You know, these guys that I work with, uh, we do that with our Academy kids. We do that with our campers. You know, this is about training. You know, you come in our gym in the summer and Kyle Lowry is working out next to you with, with, you know, we had the Lakers in last week and, you know, just, just, stars everywhere right from lebron to anthony davis to guys like kuzma and rondo and you know all that and wow. it's we're about business if you're yeah. a kid, there's no autograph you know this is not show and tell so it's really like and again i started doing this when i was 25 i'm 48 so it's been 23 years and you can you can google and see how many articles there are about me and billups me and kg maybe a couple you know and, and that's because i kind of asked them i said hey and they helped me build my business absolutely they did but for me, it's always been, you have to get those players to understand that when I wake up in the morning, I'm really concerned about them getting better. And when they, when I told Chauncey something, he did it because he knew that, I mean, now it was silly, but if I told him something to do with basketball and nutrition, he knew that all I cared about was him getting better. Cause I, you know, Chauncey signed, you know, all that money. KG made 350 million. I just collected my training fee and I'm not, I'm not trying to get in their pockets or anything. But when I go to Denver, I stay with Chauncey. You know, yeah. this is not, these are my guys, you know, so it's that way with the young guys. We want to get to know them. We want to have them understand what we're about. And, you know, the reason we've been doing it for 23 years and, you know, you've seen so many trainers that are hot for two or three years because it's not about the Instagramming and the, and the promotion and the, you know, video games. and all. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. Hey, hey listen, yeah. all power to those. I have a lot of respect for business people, right? That's what it is. Yeah. But we're, yeah. We're different, you know, and, and I've kept it different and, and I've kept my personality. The other thing, too, I think that helps me is that, you know, I've done 20 Ironman races. So, wow. you know, half the time when I come in, uh, come in the gym in the morning, I've, I've already ridden my bike for two, three hours and it's, you know, ready to go. So wow. I don't eat poorly. I don't, I don't drink. I don't smoke, which I don't think is anything wrong with people who do. But, um, you know, I just, it's just the way I choose to live. So it's yeah. something that when you, again, back to the walk the walk, you want to build culture. You can't talk about nutrition and walk in the gym with a Coke. You know, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way or, or be out all night. And, you know, like, I go out to dinner with my guys all the time. I've been to more midnight dinners than I care to ever have been at in my life. But, you know, I don't go out with them. And that's, yeah. I don't want to go out. I'm like, oh. And they know that, too. They yeah. laugh. And they say, I know you want to get out of here. Hell, yeah, I want to get out of here. Get me out of yeah. here. 
Yeah. So anyways, I, I think that. that's, that's you got to build that trust. That's, no, that's what our business is. That's awesome, coach. I, I love what you're saying. Uh, you're really talking about, you know, everybody talks about uh, the term grassroots and, uh, and it has either the AAU connotation or whatever. But I think there's kind of a, a grassroots feeling in my mind when you're talking about building relationships with these players and doing it to see them get better. Because that's how we all started coaching, I would think, for the most part. We got some cones out, told kids, hey, look, dribble with your right hand, dribble with your left hand. Okay, walk, run, speed up, slow down. You know, at the, at the kind of basic form of our coaching experiences, we were doing those things. We were trying to get players better. And, you know, because I started with four and five-year-olds coaching. It was, it, was a lesson, right. it was a lesson in patience more than anything. And uh, so, I mean, you're talking about doing that with pros, and that's something big. Uh, you know, you talk about, you know, you jumped into the whole thing about the footage and guys shooting in the gym by themselves, too. I think, well, if a guy's making a bunch of jump shots and people are commenting, wow, he's ready for the he, – he developed a three-point shot this year. Nobody's guarding him. There's no officials. The lights aren't on. Uh, it's a small gym, so the walls are closer. You get a better depth perception, if you will. Uh, so, I mean – I get all that. I get what you're saying, and and I don't think uh, you're wrong in anything you're saying. I, I do believe you know. Right. We we just there's more, uh, and, and never mind ethics. It's just being tactful, I guess. And so I, I hear you completely. So, coach, given kind of you have these pillars of training and your development, when you talk about the, the those pillars being you know basketball development, performance development, development, nutrition development, which you mentioned. And then the mental development uh, with those pillars, Coach, uh, do you feel like when you work on these with players that it's far supersedes and goes past and transcends anything, uh, everything else, not just basketball, like it goes into their lives as well? Do you feel like that that's taking place? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think well, first of all, those pillars are kind of what has always separated us, right? I mean, you can go somewhere, you can get a basketball workout, you can go somewhere, you can get a weight lift. But to have people who understand how to combine all that together yeah. is really is really what's you know you can hire a new you know we've hired more nutritionists who have no idea about how to deal with athletes not not so much the science part but just you know these guys are different you know they, they yeah. fly on private planes and they don't this is a different deal right so <laughs> I think that you know the the approach we have is really that you know four pronged or complete approach the total approach because. In my opinion, when you remove one of those things, it, it nothing's as strong, right? So you remove one, and everything kind of gets weaker. So yeah. you know, we just find that to be very. I mean, how many times? We're actually this weekend. We have a we have a great relationship with Herbal Life Nutrition, and we have a uh, we're, we do clinics around the country with them. And basically, it's a three hour clinic, and then the last hour spent with their nutritionist um, doing just some nutritional education for parents and uh, you know uh, kids as well. Just how to, how to, how to eat better yeah. and how to, you know, just approach it because how many kids want to train and want to do this and then they just eat crappy, you know? So yeah. it's just a real problem, right? So we, I feel like the, that, that four pronged approach or, or whether it's four or five. And then of course the mental side um, is, is, is incredibly important because we, you know, how many players I've had that they got all the tools, the physical, the, you know, they look, the body's chiseled and they just can't get it mentally. Yeah. You know, so we, we, we spend a lot of time developing those things. And then that's, that's as, as you were alluding to, that's really the way, you know, so many people you hear say you got to balance your life. You know, 
it's uh, it's it's something that you got to have in your life and in basketball. So everything we do um, mimics, uh, you know, like what you need to do to be successful in life. Yeah. You know, so that, that's, I think that's big for us. That's great coach. Uh, I, I, you know, here again, I think nutrition is so huge. Like you talked about, uh, you know, the mental part of it, because everybody loves the basketball and the performance side of it, because that's the, that's the fun stuff. That's the, the, the super challenging. We think, uh, but I think the biggest challenge is for a lot of people because of their habits and maybe, a, you know, culturally the way we grow up at home and the way mom cooks and, you know, especially in the Hispanic culture, us growing up, uh, if you, you did, you, once you finish your plate, it's like, Hey, you want more? Or if you don't eat enough of your food, it's like, what's the matter? Did not, it didn't taste good. Uh, so we're always kind of pressured to eat more. And then the mental development, I, uh, I look at that, like you said, confidence is a big thing and a player that can have all the tools but has no confidence you know they're, they're rendered helpless in a sense because they can't get over that hump so yeah I think the holistic approach that you're taking is something that you know benefits even their families a big big picture type stuff coach that's the stuff they can pass on to their kids and, and to other people down the line so I, I think that's just really a, a great uh, approach to it all coach so Right. You know, in dealing with these players and and kind of, uh, you know, you do have to critique them. You do have to provide feedback. Uh, how do you, as far as when you get feedback, how do you process that? Uh, in terms of how do we deliver that or how do we process the... Uh, like, if, like if a player comes to you and says, hey, you know, uh, coach, I just feel like I, I need to do this, that, and the third better, uh, and I feel like it's not happening uh, what, what can, what more can you do for me? Like, you know, cause we all have to hear about, Hey, uh, you need to do better at this and you need to do better at that. Is there ever time when you get feedback from players asking you to do more for them or do better for them? Sure. Yeah. How do you process yeah, no, that? Unfortunately, there are times, unfortunately there are times when we have to say, you're just not good enough. Right. So yeah. that's, that happens. Every yeah, once yeah, in a while. No. But, uh, yeah, I think that, look, anytime we we're looking at a player, we look at him this way. We look at it. The, we always say from the court backwards. So if the player says, I want to get, you know, more range on my jump shot, we're going to then look at a lot of things. We're going to look at his lower body endurance, his squat mechanics, because maybe he can't get low enough to be able to get the ball there. Uh, cause you know, obviously, as you know, the shooting comes from your lower body, your glutes, your hip mobility. If you can't bend low to squat, you're never going to be able to bend low to shoot the ball. So we'll kind of dissect everything. Maybe it's a guy who wants to get uh, faster and he's not, not fit enough, you know? So it's just, th- those are just things that we can really break down and dissect. And that's having seen so many different situations. Almost every question I get is something I've heard before. And again, that's why, you know, when you, when you're looking for a good lawyer, you, you'd love to have someone who has 25 years experience, you know, doing the yeah. same type of case. Right. Yeah. So it's experience is key. And we just, we just keep trying to break it down. Like, I mean, we, we just really, we, we don't stop until we find an answer and, and there has to be an answer. But the biggest thing is, you know, I got a, a text from one of the uh, Pistons assistants who's a friend of mine. He said, you know, you've done a great job with Lowry. And I, and I said, well, you know, obviously Kyle Lowry would be great with or without us. We've done a lot of work with Kyle, but he has to be, he's done a great job. You know, like if he doesn't buy in, if he doesn't do all that. So sometimes the answer back to the player is, look, if I'm going to go through all this 
to get you to do the things you're asking me to get you to do. And this goes down to high school too. You got to fall in line. You got to be perfect. You know, because I'm spending all this time trying to take you to, you know, the next level. And you're telling, you know, and you're, you're still not doing everything you need to do. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. You know, Kyle Lowry became the player he is and the world champion and the five-time All-Star because Kyle decided he was going to lock in and do everything asked of him, even more and even more. Find out stuff on his own, you know, push the lim- push his limits, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a key thing with when players ask us to help them. <laughs> Wonderful, Coach. I'm, I'm glad you're, you know, here again, saying what you're saying because too many people think that, uh, you know, you're dealing with world-class athletes and highly skilled basketball players. And although their skill set may be so high, they still need to fine tune and get better. And, but at the same time, it's not one person from the outside, uh, making their game who they are. They're already who they are in a sense. And they've kind of already worked their tail off to get where they're at. They just, you know, they they get all the credit, they get all the accolades, and so yeah, it's very humble to you know to to recognize that because I don't know how many people would just pass that on. I mean, nowadays, sure. like, like you said, some of the two million two billion trainers out there now uh, would probably beat their chest and and post it all over Instagram or wherever, saying, "Yeah, I made him better." Uh, I just think that's kind of like here again what you're talking about, what separates you. So that's great. Now, coach, we talked about nutrition and. You know, the majority of our listeners in our network is is college coaches and, and high school coaches and 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 college coaches in particular because their their schedules are so hectic and the, it's a it's a year round type deal. How important is nutrition, coach, and a healthy body for us as coaches? Because I know here again, that's part of your whole program. That's part of what you do. And and a lot of times we don't we we implement it for the players. We want the players to be healthy. We want the players to be in great shape. But us as coaches, uh, how important is that nutrition and the healthy body? Now, I think it's very important. And, you know, my uh, it's interesting. My son is a freshman. My son was a very good high school basketball player, but a D3 player and chose to go, wanted to go to a bigger school. So he's actually at Notre Dame and helping with the program and doing okay. a lot of stuff with Coach Gray. And he, he was just telling me, asking me, uh, to send him a nutrition schedule because it's harder to eat well, you yeah. know, cause yeah, if he runs from class to practice, you know, he's a freshman, so he's learning how to manage his time. But yeah. those college players, I'll tell you, it's, it, you know, how many, I, I don't even want to know the percentage of college guys that show up for practice in the afternoon already low on energy, you yeah. know, dehydrated. If I haven't drank any water all day, yeah. you know, probably if they had lunch, they grabbed, uh, you know, pizza, or something, you know, even if and maybe they didn't have lunch, maybe they had to come straight from class. Most of them, as we all know from college, didn't get up and have a good breakfast, right? So, <laughs> you know, they're, they're really performing. Yeah, no, no, no. So as the coach stands there and screams at guys to get more focused, half of them are probably, you know, getting ready to drop drop over from right. glycogen depletion. The brain starts going. And so I think it's very important. You know, it's, it's really huge. Um, it is tough, you know, and, and, you know, most schools at that level have a nutritionist, obviously division two, division three schools might not have that, that, uh, or, or some division one schools might not have that luxury. Obviously everyone's not Duke or, or ACC school or Pac-12 or whatever, but I mean, it really is important. And, and again, it, it, it's, it's not the nutritionist. It's not the, what they're prescribing. It's the, the guys buying in. Right. So yeah. 
the staff has to be on top of it. If the coaching staff, I always remember when I was coaching, you know, the, the strength coach would be ready for a lift. We were supposed to lift on a Tuesday after practice, and then coach would just run practice over 45 minutes, and then he'd say, oh, I forgot we were supposed to lift. Well, what, how do you think the players took the lift from then on? Like they knew it wasn't because he's yeah. the guy that's deciding the minutes, right? So the yeah. coaching staff has to really be on board. Because um, you can have the best nutritionist and all that stuff, but it's different, you know. So I think it's really important. I think it's really miss. You know, look, we train forty guys every year for the draft, and you know, some of them aren't draftable, but they're all aspiring to go to a pro career. And out of those forty, thirty-nine of them, we have to completely re-educate their their nutrition. And these are kids from big programs. You know, this yeah. is not. These are major college basketball. I mean, it's awful. You know, they have no clue. And we've been able to, you know, in in a six to eight week period with with proper nutrition, we've been able to change guys' bodies completely. Awesome. You know, so it's just amazing. And I remember when I had Kevin Love for the draft, and he lost 25 pounds. People yeah. say, how did he do it? I said, well, you know, it probably helps he's not, you know, grab, grabbing a beer and a pizza at, at 1130 every night. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like that's yeah. college life. You can't do that stuff. So it's hard. I get it. These guys are kids. Um, the college coaches have to recruit. They're on the road. I, I totally understand. I'm not. I'm not saying they're not doing what they're supposed to do, but I believe that they would find better performance, which leads to more wins, which is everybody's goal, right? So yeah. if they did that, I think that that would really, really be important to do. And I think you can do it. Absolutely, you can do it. Well, you talked about your son, time management. And, and it's like sometimes we just need to manage our priorities, manage our time wisely, and make time and, and meal prep, all that good stuff. I've learned to do that. I'm not the best at it, but I've learned to do that. I've never in my life thought I'd be making my own breakfast every day, making my own lunch every day, uh, you know, preparing snacks for myself like I'm back in grade school. But, you know, it pays dividend because when I see the results, I feel the results more than anything. Uh, That's really something that, uh, you know, brings you confidence, a little bit of pride. uh, and, And more than anything, you can know that you've done something different that, uh, is benefiting you in the long run. So, yeah, Coach, I, I really appreciate you saying what you're saying because it is very important. So, Coach. And I'll tell you one thing that really helps is once you get them to do it, they feel so good, they'll keep doing it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the They'll never want to go back to being malnourished every day. Right? Yeah, no. It's, you, got guys, you got guys coming to practice for two hours on fumes. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not good. No. And they're breaking down muscle tissue, and then what happens then? You get hurt. Yeah. You know, tendons get too much strain and all that. So it's, it's a cumulative effect. No, definitely. I mean, it's uh, it could be the difference between wins and losses, honestly. So it's like you, you better, you know, put a, put that as on, on the high priority uh, for your program. So uh, here again, Coach, uh, thank you for pointing that out especially. So what have you, Coach, because there's a lot of things that we sacrifice as coaches, as, as player development coaches, as trainers, Anytime we're dealing with other people that aren't our family and our spouses and, uh, you know, time. Uh, but to be at the level that you're at as far as, you know, having your own facility, working with the, the, the high-level players that you've worked with, international players, even high school players, uh, you know, what, what have you sacrificed to be where you're at today, Coach? Well, I mean, I'll start by saying that anybody who has probably achieved anything it sacrificed something, right? They say yeah. if, if, if being good was so great, everyone would just do it, you know? So it's a, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, they said my, 
have a I have a mentor who told me that his grandmother told or grandfather told him one time, if anyone ever walks up to you and gives you something for free, turn and run in the other direction. So it's a <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a deal where where I mean, look, what have I sacrificed? I've had to travel a ton. You know, my kids, one's a freshman in college now, the other's a junior in high school. Um, luckily for me, I left coaching before they were born. So my busiest season is from March to October. So I was thankfully able to make most of their games and help coach. And, you know, I, I was on the AAU circuit with my older son, did the Nike thing, did the Adidas thing. So I had some awesome experiences there. But I mean, just what do you sacrifice? There, there are times I just actually got a text while we were talking from Jared Dudley said, can we, you know, with the Lakers, can we swim tomorrow night? I mean, I don't really want to drive at eight o'clock at night. I mean, I love Jared and I'm, I'm going to do it. And I'm glad he asked. You know, Jared's trying to keep his fitness up without too much pounding. So I'll drive at eight o'clock tomorrow night and meet Jared. And it's not, it's never been a no for me. I can't. It's, it's all the way through. And even more so when I was younger, you know, flying on planes with KG and, and having to go from here to there and the whole thing. But on the flip side of it, I got to see the world. You know, I've been yeah. to, I had to spend almost a month with Yi in China, Yi Jianlian, yeah. uh, before he came to the draft. And it certainly wasn't, uh, you know, like a trip to the, the Club Med in, in Hawaii. But, I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. you just got to do it. You know what I mean? That's how I built myself to do it because I, I just didn't say no. You know, like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I went to... You know, I had to go when Rudy Fernandez was coming out. I went to Spain with Rudy and then, you know, flying on, you know, sitting in lounges in London at two in the morning. I mean, you know, things like that. But yeah. again, I mean, I think anybody who's ever achieved does stuff. But I, I don't think um, I think what I've chosen to do for a living, fits my personality. I love health. I love fitness. I love making people feel better. And uh, my family, you know, love my kids grew up in a gym, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, for, for my younger one, actually, is a, a theater guy. He stopped playing basketball after his freshman year. And uh, he's he's terrific with theater and really passionate about it, which is cool with me. Um, and he actually just, just walked through here to go into his, uh, into the front of our house to run on the treadmill. So I make sure that he stays in shape, of course, because he'll be... <laughs> Nobody wants a, uh, a, a out of shape uh, actor, actor. <laughs> and, and, but and by the way, I'd much rather watching him act or sing or whatever he's doing is much more pleasant than watching my other son play basketball because I don't know anything, right? So everything yeah, he does, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's what all parents should do in basketball: <laughs> just clap and yeah. and encourage their kid, right? That's yeah. what all of us coaches <laughs> wish they would do. Instead of yeah, no basketball is a little more difficult for me because I just you know your footwork is off, you know, yeah. you didn't play well, and blah blah blah. But I think that my my family has benefited greatly from it. They've grown up. I mean, my sons, both of them, rebounded for Kevin Garnett during his prime, and they understand what it works. Like, they'll watch guys work out now and go, what is this deal? He's not even working hard. You know, I mean, wow. it's just a, it, it having nothing to do with basketball. That just helps them in their life. So I feel yeah. really fortunate for that. So it's been a lot of fun, man. I mean, I, I can, I, you know, I, I, I say I sacrifice. Yeah, I missed some things, and I probably took some trips. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. But at the end of the day, the Garnets, the Harringtons. I mean, Al's my son's older son's godfather. You know, he's a great, great friend, and and uh, now they're all doing different things. And you know, Tayshawn's in the front office. Chauncey's in TV. Ty Lue is, you know, lives in my house forever, and now he's doing back with the Clippers and the whole thing. So, you know, these are these are things that I don't I don't find to be sacrifices. Got you. Now they're investments. 
investments into your family's Correct. life. Yeah, for sure. And that's great, Coach. So I appreciate you sharing that. Hundreds of millions of dollars and be successful and be good people about it, too. So yeah. the other thing that, you know, I understood, I learned about myself is that, you know, when you give to people, to others, you know, you get stuff back. And that's really the only way you get, get back is when you give. And it's not all yeah. about taking. Um, it's about giving and it's about having people understand that, you know, you're there for them. Uh, and sometimes you're doing stuff that you really, you don't want to do, but you got to do it. So, I mean, it, it's just, if I, if I had to do a, write a book on what basketball, I mean, basketball has been everything. I've been in basketball since I was 18. You know, when I left my house in Detroit to go to Bloomington, Indiana, I've never done anything but basketball, you know? Yeah. So it's something that I've seen the world. I've met, you know, crazy amounts of people. I've even, my basketball success has led me to train a bunch of big time actors for movies, travel with them on private planes and, wow. and, you know, people that you wouldn't even believe that right? wow. <laughs> you would be like, huh? So yeah, it's kind of a closet <laughs> career I have that I just enjoy. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've made some great, because I live in LA in the winter, I'm, I'm around all that, but it's, uh, you know, it's just basketball has been everything for me, but I, but I learned about myself as I got to stay true to who I am. Um, and when I get out of my, like when I'm unhappy, I'm to a point now where I don't really need to do a lot of stuff yeah. um, that I just hate doing just for money. Right. So it's a, I mean, I'm not going to retire tomorrow, but at the same time, we've done great. My kids are almost, you know, getting through school and it's not to a point now where I, if I don't feel good doing something, it's just not worth it because one, I don't like, I don't like, you know, that operation operating in that manner anyways, but two, I, I'm just, I won't give my all, you know, if I'm yeah. not into it. So, I always said, if, if I'm into something, I'm going to get it done. You know, yeah. when I decided I wanted to do triathlons, I went in one year, I went from an Olympic distance to an Ironman and then I've done 20 cents. So, wow. you know, I just, I just, once I set my mind, I mean, I can't set my mind to be a, uh, you know, two hour marathon, right? I just don't have the physical ability. To do. <laughs> so there are limitations. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just learned that I got to stay focused. I got to, I got to, and if I'm not happy, um, you know, there, that, that, that doesn't mean like not having rough days or, or things like that, but just overall, just feel like I'm doing good stuff and then I'm not very, very good at what I'm doing. Gotcha. Now, coach, you, you, uh, you've got that drive and once that drive kind of diminishes or goes away, yeah, it's pretty much time to like say, yeah, probably shouldn't be doing it. No, I hear you. I really do. Call it quick, right? Yeah. 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 No, I got you. So coach, uh, my last question is always about legacy because I feel like that's important uh, to myself. And I, and I believe it's important to all of us because we leave some kind of legacy. And, and although it may, we may never receive a lifetime achievement award or uh, have a court named after us, uh, we do have people that look to us for either inspiration, guidance, uh, just, you know, wisdom, something. And what kind of legacy are we leaving? You know, our kids, you know, whoever it is that, that kind of looks up to us. So I just want to ask you, Coach, what do you want your legacy to be when your career is all over? Well, I've been asked that question before, and it's sometimes a different answer. But I, I think the main two things are that I hope people live a better life and that I treated people the right way. You know, and those are really the two things that I are most important to me, more important than anything. Um, we all, I, you know, there's not a there's not a question, not a doubt that. I like making money, right? There's not a doubt that I like training the best players, but those are the two things that when it's all said and done, if I can get those things done, then I think I've done, done pretty well. That's fantastic, coach. I really appreciate your time, coach. I really do for making the time and taking the time to be with us. 
and and I know it's going to be uh, beneficial for the for our network of coaches and anyone listening, even trainers that are listening. I'm here again, just thankful, man, that you took the time uh, to be on. And so uh, here again, I thank you. You got it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. Know that you are appreciated. So please take the time to listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47. Here again, all of this I thank you for. Please leave a rating, subscribe, follow, leave feedback. Uh, this is your platform. So, you know, take ownership of it. And here again, you are appreciated. So thank you.